Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. So what are you supposed to do between each Engadget podcast? Wait in silence? I'm Matt Smith, and every morning I walk through the day's biggest tech stories. It's short, relevant, and ready for listening whenever you wake up. Find Engadget Morning Edition wherever you find your podcasts, or ask your smart speaker for the latest news from Engadget. What's up, Internet, and welcome back to the Engadget Podcast. I'm Senior Editor Devendra Hardawar. I'm Deputy Editor Sherlyn Ho. This week, it is all about the 13-inch MacBook Pro with an M2 chip, a computer I just called absolutely baffling in my review. So our reviews are up. We're going to be diving into all of that. That laugh you hear is Cherie L. Smith from Laptop Mag, Editor-in-Chief of Laptop Mag. Hello, Cherie. Hello. We'll get right to that. But first, as always, folks, you can subscribe to us on iTunes or your podcatcher of choice. If you're digging the show, please leave us a review on iTunes. That's always super helpful. Drop us an email at podcastandgadget.com. And if you're listening to this, uh, you can always join us Thursday mornings, typically around 10 a.m. Eastern on our YouTube channel for a live stream. You can see our pretty faces. You can have some Q&A. Sometimes we'll show off gadgets. Um, you know, it's a fun time. Come join us. Okay, so the 13-inch MacBook Pro with an M2 chip. Um, I found this computer to be very, very confusing when Apple first announced it because it's literally the last MacBook Pro, which was not that different than the last other few MacBook Pros, like same case. (laughs) The last one actually lost to USB-C ports as well, right? So I found this really confusing. Cherie, what was your first impression of this computer when Apple announced it? I mean, eh, it's a MacBook. Um, (laughs) Bro? Like it's doing what it's supposed to do in terms of um, being an incremental upgrade. Um, it's not that it's a bad laptop. That's not it at all. Mm-hmm. It performs very well. Um, mm-hmm. It's just, I, I, I would agree with your word baffling because like you have the air and it's fanless mm-hmm. and it's doing the same thing. And it's a, a, a tad bit cheaper with a better screen, <laughs> better display, better yeah. webcam, uh, Mac safe charging now. And then we got the Pro. It's just so confusing. Yeah, the new MacBook Air, which also has an M2 chip, has all those nice things. It's a, it's a nice newer design. It's a little thinner. The screen, they they kind of shaved off some of those bezels. Whereas this one has the uh, the old thick bezels, which I think really dates this computer. I, yeah. The be- the bezels, I, I dinged it for the bezels. Like, mm-hmm, I, I, mm-hmm. I, it, it's the year of our Lord 2022, and I mm-hmm. do not understand <laughs> what is going on with the bezels, like where, where mm-hmm. everyone is trying to shave every little mil- millimeter mm-hmm, off. Mm-hmm. Apple's like, nah. And, yeah. they, and you know why? Because they know you're going to buy it. They don't uh-huh. have, like, like it takes years and years and years of being a squeaky wheel to get Apple to move on the slightest design change. So we're going to be, we're going to be saying this for a few more years at least. And then they'll, then they'll cut it down a scooch. A scooch. I think, I, I, yeah. I think this is a courage for Apple. Don't you think? <laughs> this no, is what's the, what's the opposite of courage is laziness. And I think, what I dinged uh, this computer for, which to be to be fair, it is perfectly fine. Like it, it is a nice computer. It is faster than the last MacBook Pro. Uh, the M2 chip is a decent upgrade. Um, if somebody stumbles into an Apple store and buys this, it's fine. Um, I think I'm just a little annoyed because uh, every time I talk to Apple about this, just to like get a straight answer about why they didn't do anything for this design, they put on this like robotic smile. <laughs> and it's the same script line from every single person. We think it produces a lot of value. Sure, Apple, I, I'm sure it produces a lot of value for you. 
I don't think it's producing a lot of value for consumers who are expecting, yeah, thinner bezels, uh, more modern screens or bigger screens in their 13-inch machines right now. So uh, let, let's talk about what happened here, right? They just put the M2 chip in the last case. That's it. Mm -hmm. So that means it's the same retina display. That means it's the same thick bezels. That means it still only has two USB-C ports, one yeah. of which will disappear when you're charging this computer too. Um, another thing, this computer has the touch bar. And mm -hmm. I, I, I can't remember ever liking it. This is the only computer with the touch bar. It's like Apple had a whole bunch of old stock that they just had to dump this into. <laughs> I don't want my function keys to disappear. I don't want my shortcuts to change every time I move to a different app. It is dumb. It's annoying. And it should tell you something that all the other MacBooks don't have a don't touch have, bar. They yeah. just have function keys and shortcut keys all in one place because that's how we use keyboards. So mm -hmm. touch bar, bad idea. Another knock against this computer. I just found that all very strange compared to the new Air, which has so many more features and is going to be um, slightly cheaper to begin with. The one big benefit, which is worth shooting out here, is um, just like last time, this new MacBook Pro has a fan, right? It has active cooling and a more elaborate cooling system. So if you're doing video rendering or 3D editing mm. or something, it should be better for sustained workloads. But I think for 90% of people, um, my argument is the MacBook Air, even if you're some sort of professional, will serve you better. Or... If you really need professional like stuff, go up to the MacBook Pro 14 inch, which starts a lot more expensive. But I noticed this when I was like specking it out. If you put both computers up to 16 gigabytes of RAM, a terabyte of storage, like the, the bare minimum of what you'd want in a professional machine, mm -hmm. the price difference is only $300, which at that point seems ridiculous. Like then just get the 14, right? What do you think, Sheree? I mean, the, the reason for the Pro at this point is to push people to buy the air mm -hmm. or, or the 14 <laughs> or the 16 inch. Um, there, there it, it's, it's a nice to have, like, if mm -hmm. you like, it, it's kind you know what it, you know what it reminds me of? It's like when Apple makes the SE or they make mm -hmm. the, or they make the, what, what will be the iPhone 14. You get uh -huh. all the colors and things of that nature with the 14. If you want the premium, you start loot, like you lose color, you gain features. Like the pro is the colorful iPhone. It, 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 should, it, it should be priced accordingly though, right? It should it be should, like it should 800 be or 900 bucks. Like the, I like the SE because it's a budget phone. It's a budget entry point for a lot of people into the world of iPhone. This is, hey, more expensive than the Air, right? This is a premium product with very more limited functionality than some of the cheaper products. So that's why I'm really confused by I it. I mean, it's calculated yeah. capitalism. Like, uh -huh, uh -huh. like basically, if like we're here to tell our readers and our listeners and what have you, hey, this is this is a solid laptop, and it is. Um, mm -hmm. But for the money, you either want to go this way or that way. Yeah, uh -huh. it's, it's calculated cal capitalism at its best. That's a good yeah. way of putting it. Um, Sherlyn, like any thoughts on this thing? Like I, you were there, you tested the new Air, and I did. you really like that, right? Well, I, uh, you know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> wow. Uh -oh. First of I'm all, I'm sorry. There's no I'm, Android laptop for you to test I'm, instead. Jeez. Listen, first of all, I'm a PC person, so that's <laughs> As already my mm -hmm. exactly. Thank you, Sherry. Um, I already, you know, have a slight bias in that respect. But my question Same. here too is that, like, for this review, the 13-inch MacBook Pro with M2, it the newsworthiness of it. I had to come at this from the journalist point of view here, which is that this is our first experience of the M2 chip, right? Mm -hmm. How did that do? I mean, that's my main question is also like, I don't care that much about the 13-inch MacBook Pro hardware casing, that sort of thing, because I know it's boring. It's not really doing anything great. But the M2 chip, this is our first taste of it. Mm -hmm. What's it do for battery life? I know we can't compare to the MacBook Air, but I wonder if that's one of the differences between it and the MacBook Air as well, right? You go for it, Shuri. Um, the M2, it did what it's... It did what Apple said it's going to do. If Apple, mm -hmm. like at this point, to doubt Apple is you're just, I, I have a bridge I can sell you in Brooklyn. Uh, <laughs> it's definitely uh, faster, more powerful, all the things, uh, more power efficient than the M2 because a lot of people were upset. Mm -hmm. Like, okay. Then the old well, M1. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What the, like it's it's only supposed to be better than the M1. You've sure. got it's calculated capitalism. <laughs> we still have a 14 and a 16 to refresh. And are we going to give you this? We're going to give you the same M2. No, we're going right. to give you the M2 Max and the Something. M2 yep. Max. 
pro. This is how they get you. So it's do it's give it passed the assignment. It's giving what it's supposed to give the math. She is mathing because this is exactly what it's supposed to do. It's supposed to be better than M1. It is not Mm -hmm. supposed to be better than M1 Max M1 Max Pro. It's not too. Like if you look at our benchmarks, uh, I put up a benchmark table in my review, the M1 Pro, uh, the M1 Ultra. In the max, I forget which is which is, is ultra the fastest now. Um, but it I is think ultra fast. is a name we made up. I yeah, Pro Max. The, yeah, because like you know, then they started you know soldering chips together. Like, hey, yeah, dog, yeah, yeah. I heard you like chips. Let me solder two of them together. And now give you some chips with your chips. Yeah. Now the yeah, M1 Jesus. Ultra is is the one that's in the uh, the studio, right? The the fastest fastest one. But okay. in my benchmarks, the uh, the M1 Pro. And the M1 Max, uh, certainly, even the M1 Pro is a lot faster than the M2. Like, clearly, this is focused on this side of the market where $1,000 to $1,500, like, people getting computers around there. Um, it's faster. Battery life is pretty solid. Uh, I got, like, 17 hours in my test, which is a, a little more than last time. I uh, Did you, like, have any major revelations with this chip tree? Um, the for us, the battery test went up significantly. Mm. Um, mm. we have our script is basically web surfing continuously, mm-hmm. um, over Wi Fi. I know that script, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I know you do, baby. Um, <laughs> and we got 18 hours and 20 minutes. Um, the last iteration got 1644, I want to say off the top of my head. So, mm-hmm. like, definitely mm-hmm. a big jump, and like, we definitely saw uh, the the M2 kick the M1's butt in <laughs> benchmarks. I didn't like. I'm going to do a deeper dive on the um, other chips uh, this week, so I haven't. I, I'm not even going to touch that. But I already knew. Like, it's not designed to be better than the, than the other two chips. That yep. otherwise, yep. why would you buy the other mm-hmm. two systems? A lot of people mm-hmm. are coming at me saying, like, I I feel should I buy a 14 inch MacBook Pro? now or 16 inch and i'm telling people yes yes those are still faster even if they're m1 expanded chips uh one thing i will mention here is that when i last reviewed uh the m1 macbook air and pro they benchmarked exactly the same right it is the exact same chip the only difference is sustained workload so if you're doing a lot of video editing something that takes a long time to render at that point the macbook pro's fans will kick in and give you more speed whereas the air may start to throttle we don't have the new air to test yet but i think we're we're probably going to see the same thing like apple managed to do that two years ago a year and a half ago so we'll likely be the same thing now uh like sheree for yourself you do some pro work too. Like you do a lot of different work. Would you still lean towards the air versus this one? Um, I am on a never ending pursuit for power. So mm-hmm. I am. As we to, all are. Yeah. That's um, why we do this. Yeah. I like, I personally would, if I, if I was working spe- specifically on a Mac, which I do in my profession, professional life, mm-hmm. I would either wait for the 14 or the 16 to get refreshed. If I absolutely positively could not hold out, then I would get the 13 pro um, just because I have things that are like video editing and photo mm-hmm, editing and mm-hmm. things of that nature to do. Um, but man, I would hate spending that much. Like I, I don't want to mm-hmm. give them the satisfaction. I don't want to say I, like, I would hate okay. spending that money. And <laughs> I hate, I hate spending that money on, on a Mac period because I, I game. I I am platform <laughs> agnostic, and while I am very very intrigued to see uh, this Resi Eight uh, playthrough, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm curious what Capcom had to do to fit it in the box, um, and what other games are they going to offer? Mm-hmm. Because honestly, and the demo um, that I saw in my house, because maybe it was better in Corpatino and it was running smoother, mm-hmm. it looked mighty choppy. It was, it was really choppy. Yeah, and it's I like, mean. Mm-hmm. I don't I know mean, if I, I would this, fellas. I ran 3D Mark. Like, it's not that this chip doesn't have 3D capabilities. It's the developers, right? Like, people just don't want to bring big budget games to Max, and that is Apple's fault. That is Apple's it, fault. It for absolutely not is. Having, yeah, it's mm-hmm. like okay, don't tell me uh, it can game. How many times do you expect me to play Shadow the Tomb Raider? <laughs> exactly. How many times? That's my one benchmark is Shadow like, the you Tomb Raider. You yeah. can't even say Fortnite because you're beefing with epic mm-hmm. uh you have you're not friends with gog you're not friend like where are these games and don't tell me apple arcade 
no mm-hmm. one wants to hear that. Don't don't say Apple Arcade because an iPad can play all the Apple Arcade games. Yeah, so no that's one not, wants that. That doesn't count for anything. It is. I, I like Apple Arcade. I like on my phone. I like on tablets. On a on a computer, seems less less good. Uh, one thing I want to point out here too that I noticed in my review. I think this is the only this is the only pro labeled device from Apple without a promotion screen. I think that thing also really gets to me. Promotion gives you a higher refresh rate. It makes sm- it makes scrolling a lot smoother. Everything looks nicer. I'm spoiled by promotion screens. I jumped up to the iPhone 13 Pro just for that. I would like an iPad Pro eventually, but we're seeing that on Windows laptops too, right? The Surface Laptop Studio has high refresh rates. Um, we've reviewed a lot of like gaming laptops I think are really subtle that would make nice productivity machines like this too, like the uh, the Asus G14, Zephyrus G14. Um, we did a Predator, the Asus Acer Predator Triton 500SE. Both like there are a lot of gaming machines now that aren't as flashy, aren't as like blingy and embarrassing as old gaming machines. I would much rather have one of those than something like this, right? I mean, I'm I'm going to be a adult for life, and I'm never going to say no. Give me <laughs> my hair. Look at my hair. My adult. hair is blue, babe. Adult, Like I adult. will, take, I will take all the RGB all the time and be proud mm-hmm. of it in the office. But like again, adult. Um, but I can appreciate uh. an understated system. Um, there is something. There is an elegance, and I mean th- that's why it's so hard for Apple to change up the design no matter how many times we scream and beg and play plead because they they are literally the trendsetter we saw all these funky designs mm-hmm. and apple just stuck with what simplicity <laughs> and minimalism and and that and now when you go into a coffee shop or wherever like all you see is that silver or space mm-hmm, gray mm-hmm. or maybe yep. rose gold if you locked up and got yeah. one of those models and just that just that apple like there's Just a the apple there's a, there's or a or reason. you see asus machines that are really trying to ape that style too or at least they were for a while not as much now i think but yeah i yeah. i i know we're talking around this we're, we're sort of getting at it we're, you're, mm-hmm. i also had this question earlier on which is that like what's the gaming experience like on the macbook pro 13 inch with mm-hmm. them too but i think the question here is more that like are the chips capable? Like, I, I get that there's mm-hmm. platform issues. I get that there's not a lot of games. But do you do you guys think that like the yeah. system yeah, yeah, yeah. itself can handle big games? I, I was saying that a bit, right? Like I ran the Shadow of the Tomb Raider benchmark. Uh, one right. of the benchmarks showed up in our video and looked really low frame rates. But if you do it at 1080p with like you know medium settings, it, it gets over 30 FPS. They're capable. This these things right. can run games as well as many like budget gaming laptops. I think like with budget GPUs. So. It's not the hardware, really, that's the problem. It is Apple never making an ecosystem that was inviting for developers to make games. That's the thing. Like, Apple hmm. never cared about games. Steve jo- This goes back to the Steve Jobs era, right? Like, he never mm-hmm. really leaned too much on games. Um, so, yeah, they got Apple Arcade. Um, there are some Steam games, especially, like, uh, simpler games, like mm-hmm. uh, Disco Elysium that will run on Macs. That's fine. Nothing too demanding, though, aside from, like, Shadow of the Tomb Raider and Hitman 1 for some reason. So a bunch of older games. I hope that changes, especially with like the Capcom announcements. So I we would had, never we, recommend any of these for gaming. Yeah. We also had one question from a very eager uh, mm-hmm. live chat member, which is how is the video editing? Uh, I know that part of our testing process is doing some kind of 4K video converting, mm-hmm. right? Devendra, how'd that go? I mean, it's it's fine. It's faster mm-hmm. than the M1. You know, like I do, I do a handbrake video conversion. I don't do so like do a we. big video editing. Like I, I don't yeah. do a lot of video editing layers oh. of tile yeah, animation yeah, yeah. yeah we don't do that yeah but the handbrake's fine like i'm talking raw computing power we see that this is a good chip i am just saying my main argument the reason why we gave it a score of an 81 which is uh, a bit lower than the last macbook pro and lower mm-hmm. than most laptops is because i i don't agree with the value apple is providing here i think it's a real issue that this thing has all the problems of the last model that came out a year and a half ago so me and me and Terrence O'Brien, uh, our editor, we were just like, uh, yeah, this thing, nobody, you shouldn't really be buying this thing, right? We would not recommend you buy this thing. If you're a consumer looking for a new MacBook, uh, I would say lean air. If you're a professional that really needs a new computer right now, spec up the MacBook Pro 14 inch. Like it, it will not be that much different or, and it will be much better for you in the long run. Mm-hmm. Or wait for the next M- you 14 wait. inch? Is I mean, that- you could, 
you can I, wait, I, but I you don't know. If, you don't. Yeah, know. I would recommend mm-hmm. waiting. If if it's if it's like that, just wait. Mm-hmm. Um, like there, because honestly, there is no worse feeling, at least for me, mm-hmm. than, than when I buy something and then like <laughs> yep. a yeah. couple months later, it's obsolete. I mean, like, can we, I can yeah, I can I get yeah. a full year of it being like, <laughs> yeah, top of the top before you're uh-huh. like, oh, by the way. I yeah. we we it seems like Apple's almost on like a six month cycle. So it is June. It's the end of June now. So we probably won't get new MacBook Pros 14, 16 until late fall, maybe winter, right. based on when the last ones launched. And it's like if you need to work, if you need to work right now, like uh, our podcast, if your current machine ben, isn't serving you, yeah, was running a 2012 MacBook Pro, you just need a machine now. You know, you you sometimes can we need can a, we can yeah. we can we pause for a second because my chiropractor bless uh-huh. his heart. Oh asked me the other day he was like does the macbook air have a cd-rom drive i was oh, like mother what that's it, adorable you know it's what cute. so cute if, yeah if you say that but yeah. uh laptop bag we have we have a best page uh best laptops with uh dvr DRAM. i mean D- mm-hmm. I, right. I, I forgot right. how to say dvd <laughs> drives it's, it's DVD been so drives. long but it does so well mm-hmm. like okay. it's so mm-hmm. no, i think and someone yeah. sent me some a, people, di- yeah. a, a, di- a CD yesterday, and I was I was baffled. Like, where am I supposed to put? What this? do I do with this? Like, yeah. am I putting like I and I have desktops. Mm-hmm. I don't even have. Yeah. Like, where, like am I yeah. supposed to put this in a PlayStation or or my Xbox? Yeah. Like, yeah. I have like a mid tower desktop sitting right here. It's like full rows instead of a CD-ROM up front. It is just like three fans. It's just like I need <laughs> airflow. Awesome. I don't need optical disc. I will say for people, if you need a CD drive, don't buy a computer around that. Get a get a little external beauty exactly. and just like tote that around with you. It's fine. Yeah. The point I was going to make though is if your machine is that old, then maybe yeah, I guess a 13-inch will uh, MacBook Pro with M2 will feel like an upgrade. Oh, and also if you have a specific mm-hmm. need like a CD-ROM drive, maybe it's time to like what the vendor said, buy an external accessory that can last you regardless of how your machine performs in future hopefully mm-hmm. so. uh i see i see a question here from ben how much faster was the video conversion on this computer compared to the m1 it was like um i have to look up the exact numbers but it was like 10 to 15 seconds so it was like a, a decent chunk it is decently that's not, faster oh, that's quite a bit, and yeah. it also has um it has pro res encoding and decoding capability so hey if you're doing pro stuff uh sure this may be a better computer for you but Again, if you really need ProRes, then wait until the the 14 inch to 16 inch get upgraded because those computers will last you a much much longer time. I think that's about it. Any anything else, Cherie, that you want to mention about this computer? Like any broad takeaways for you when it comes to this or Apple in general? I mean, it, it's it, again, eh, it's a MacBook, um, and th- you you get what you pay for with the with this MacBook. Like you know, you you get the M2 chip. You're that's basically why you're here. You're not getting mm-hmm. a better display. The display is still Retina. It's still beautiful. Um, the Vendra is right. It's missing promotion, and that is a bummer. Like we, it didn't get the 1080p uh <laughs> webcam. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. It still got those chunky. It's still very much the MacBook um, uh-huh. 13 inch that you that you knew and loved yeah. or were, felt kind of ambivalent about. I don't know. It's still. It's, mm-hmm. Don't worry about the webcam because you know you can always strap your phone onto the well, top yep. of it. Continuity camera. Continuity camera. I want to test want that. that. <laughs> it looks it looks ridiculous, but I, I do don't kind want, of want to test it. Yeah, <laughs> it'll be better than whatever Apple's offering here. So, Cherie, first of all, I want to say, people, if you want to read more about our thoughts on these computers, check out Cherie's review over at Laptop Mag. Check out my review over at Engadget. Uh, we have a video, too, on our YouTube channel. Did you guys do a video, Cherie, or are you just like uh, We're going to. Like, I have okay. I have, I have, have many thoughts, and I have a few face-offs to write before I really get into because I, I feel like I, mm-hmm. I have things to say. Things to say. Okay, Cherie, where can we find you in the internet these days? Um, you can always find me on Twitter or Instagram um, at Miss Smith Eleven. So M I S S Smith. So three S's, not two, not four, <laughs> but three S's. Eleven. Um, and um, as always, check out myself and my talented staff on Laptop Mag. Um, some things that are coming down the pipe: Tech Support Showdown and our first annual Ultimate Home Office Awards. And then we're going right into Best and Worst Brands and a few other big ticket projects. So we are rocking and rolling. Awesome. Love to see you. Love to see you thrive in Cherie. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having. Let's move on to some other news. And I just want to quickly uh, talk about this thing. 
Uh, Meta showed off a whole bunch of VR headset prototypes earlier this week um, because they they want to pass this thing called the Visual Turing Test. So if you think of the Turing Test as sort of like the the dimension that an AI kind of has to pass to make you think it's a, it's a real person or alive, the Visual Turing Test is about making VR so realistic that you you start to you you cannot tell the difference between VR and reality, which is terrifying. But uh, I, so I sat in the meeting with uh, Mark Zuckerberg and a bunch of journalists last week um, talking about this stuff, and none of these are going to be products we see anytime soon. But they showed off a bunch of different prototypes that can do things like get you higher, much higher resolutions. Uh, they can get get you higher. They could get you HDR on your uh, on the VR screen. The HDR one is is a real trip. If you look at this article, the top image is just this. Uh, this giant headset with two computer fans on the side has handlebars on the side because you can't wear it on your head. It's too heavy. So you have to hold it up like a pair of binoculars. Um, but that's how they could test HDR because you want like the brightness you get from a modern TV or computer monitor in there too. Uh, other things like, uh, yeah, what's that? It looks a lot like the the optometrist kind of like vision exam machine, right? Like it, it does. blows pus in your well, eyes. Speaking of that, um, they also want to make these things better suited for people who need vision correction, like me, people who wear glasses. Uh, they are testing holographic displays um, that really thin out the technology. And uh, let me just see. Wait, what is the what is the thing? What is the thing? Uh, Holocake 2 is the latest holographic one they showed off. And we have photos of Zuckerberg wearing that one. It looks like uh, it's just like a... It looks like a pair of ski goggles, to be honest. And they have other prototypes doing things like electronic varifocal. So being able to adjust uh, the focus of what you're looking at, like you do in real life. Yeah. So it uses eye tracking and varifocal lenses to sort of like, if if in real life you have an object right in front of your face and the object at the other end of the room, your eyes will naturally adjust. Normally in VR, the display is flat, right? It is staying static. So it is hard to get that sense of uh, eye movement and of depth. Um, so varifocal lenses will kind of change to kind of make that happen. So they have, um, you know, they, they have another prototype called Mirror Lake that's going to combine all these things. It has not been built yet, but Mirror Lake will be a headset that looks like ski goggles. Uh, it will have holographic lenses. It'll have HDR. It'll have high resolution screen. Um, this thing is not on the horizon, right? They didn't yeah. even build a working prototype yet. It is conceptual. Maybe five to seven years from now, we will see a device that can actually do some of this. But it was actually interesting to see, like, you know, Meta Meta is still working on this stuff. I think there's a lot of criticism that they're not looking at high-end VR very much. Um, they're not, you know, they're not pushing the envelope because they just want uh, easy, consumer-ready Quest devices. I think uh, Zuckerberg and crew just want to be like, hey, hey, hey. We're doing this. It's just really hard to bring it to the public. Do you do you care about any of this, Sherlyn? Like, you, you've got a Quest. You've been testing the yeah. Quest. Do you want more? I like the Quest. I do. Yeah, of course I would love, like, VR that feels a bit more different. But I think as long as we're bound to headsets, it's going to be very difficult to, to push the technology a lot further. It also sounds a lot like Meta and team are being extremely ambitious with this. Um, like you said, right? Five to seven years in the future. And also the fact that they don't seem to be considering more, like, incremental high-end VR they're looking at this sort of like wilder types of technology it mm -hmm. is I mean they're doing incremental too like Project Cambria is the higher-end quest we're expecting at the end of the year so that is the more like it's getting slowly slowly better the quest platform is there um, I like this is more like yeah I like what we have on on VR platforms at least with the quest right now right we've got I think Supernatural is great Beat Saber is great but I, am I at the stage where I want VR to feel like the real world, like the visual Turing test? I don't know. I will say though, uh, that when you talk about the visual correction thing in real time, it jumped, like it just brought, forcefully brought to mind the image of VR or just regular goggles or headsets that would just do LASIK for you at home. And that sounds incredibly well, dangerous. Not, not, and I don't want to give anyone ideas. Not LASIK. No, no, please no. do not put it's LASIK more like, in the headset. Don't do, do LASIK at home. Have you seen devices that do LASIK at home? That is a terrible idea. No, they've never um, done because that would never happen. I'm just saying, mm -hmm. do not do it. It's like, a terrible it's idea. But the, the these things, since they're glasses, um, if they're using the holographic screens and they can get really thin lenses, like just slipped in there, 
then the headset is your glasses, right? The headset has a correction that you typically get from glasses. So you don't need to so wear glasses under That's the thing. Yeah. That's kind of, you, you can kind of get that on Quest right now and a couple other headsets. So you just have to buy custom lenses. Uh, so anyway, I thought this was cool. Uh, Charlotte, you had something else you want to mention? Yeah. From Meta? I, I mean, think about like moving from a, a, a VR that's so surreal to a VR that deals with the realities of life, namely money. Um, Meta Pay. Have you heard of MetaPay? It's basically Facebook Pay, and then they're going to turn it into... It, they're rebranding it MetaPay, for one thing, and then they are going to basically use that as a way for, I guess, people to have transactions in the metaverse, which is kind of sad or, or I guess, necessary. But I... I, I, I I don't know. It, it's tied in with some of the like other news that happened this week, which is that Meta said it won't take a commission from creators on Facebook and Instagram until 2024. Um, I, I, you saw the writing on the wall. They were going to take a commission from you anyway. So I guess we now have like a deadline, a timing. Um, 2024 is when it's going to happen. So Facebook wants your money. It's coming hard for it. Um, when you... When you buy stuff in Meta, they will probably take a cut too, even though they haven't said it yet. Zuckerberg did say the that Meta Pay is going to function as a universal wallet for all the digital items you buy or create <laughs> in the metaverse. It's about proof of ownership. It's starting to sound a lot like crypto to me. I mean, th- that is part of the whole metaverse thing is like owning your digital assets. That could be crypto, but it doesn't have to be crypto. It could just be could just be a wallet it was like hey i own this uh that's like so many things games do that other things do that um that's interesting do we have any other specifics about the the commission because uh wasn't there a talk about like a 47 percent commission so that something? was that was a while ago that was like fairly recent news about a 48 percent cut from sales in horizon worlds right and horizon worlds is what tentatively for now is Meta's virtual world uh 47.5 is the cut i think that meta confirmed so between 47 and 48 and then 30 percent itself will because be hey if you're building something in their reality they want to take give half, half of it that's your rent people virtual mm. realities take mm. rent as well i don't know but uh yeah 30 percent of the world oh man right 30 percent of that will come through the MetaQuest store and 17.5 percent the remainder comes from horizon worlds itself so anything that have goes you tried horizon worlds no, Sherlin? Like, i don't have you tried just wandering around AI, have you do like, you like VR it stuff? I've done some of it. It is. I mean, we did some coverage too, like as they were like building this up. It's fine, but it's not like you don't want to be there, right? Like they want to build the sort of like uh, AOL chat room experience that we all had like uh, in the 90s, early 2000s. Like our first touch of the internet, I was like, I could chat with people all over the world and they like what I like. And that's so cool. And they're trying to force that. And I don't think people actually want to do that in VR. Uh, but there are, there are things like VR chat that kind of get people together, um, but they're more open and looser. So well, I, I don't know. So then to mm-hmm. be clear too, the the announcement from this week about Meta not taking commission from creators on Facebook on Instagram and Instagram, it's a different it's a different situation, right? The 47.5 yeah, yeah, number yeah, yeah. was for yeah. Meta and Horizon Worlds. This is we're talking about like revenue sharing for creators on IG and FB. Um it used well, they, to be yeah, yeah. until 2023 and they've extended that until 2024. It's things like pay- These are platforms people actually use. Right, right? exactly. So There's actually people nobody's on Nobody's on Horizon World. Right. Uh-huh. For now, yeah. Well, who knows. But but yeah, so it's things like paid online events, subscriptions, newsletters and badges that you and badges that you're so doing your live streams, all these things that you're using uh, the tools of uh, Facebook and Instagram for for now you get all of the pro- the proceeds then in in 2024 you're gonna see some of that goes to Facebook so okay okay well we'll keep an eye out um I I I don't know what else to say about that uh, Horizon Worlds is a weird thing I don't I still am not sure about Facebook's metaverse or Meta's metaverse but. I do like seeing them like uh, explore new ideas, like new ways of building these headsets. And hopefully it spurs on competition because my whole thing, my whole issue is when they gobbled up Oculus is that it would kind of kill innovation in this market. And they're at least investing some uh, some money into it. Like their Zuckerberg himself is like beyond this and excited. He's into it. So I think that tells us like, yeah. He doesn't want to think about the actual issues facing Meta. He wants to like build the new thing like, so he can so leave cool. this planet. Look at this. It's cool. It's so cool. I just want to leave this reality <laughs> where everybody is so mad at me all the time. Uh, let's move on. Uh, Microsoft 
doesn't want us to be mad at them all the time because uh, they announced that they're going to be phasing out facial recognition AI that could detect emotions. And they also announced a whole bunch of other things uh, around the ethical usage of uh, AI and artificial intelligence. So I think this kind of comes back to uh, stuff we've been talking about recently, um, kind of all the AI stuff, uh, the AI sentience from Google and how they were warned. Um, the AI sentience story, because the AI is not sentient, but pe- uh, people warned Google about building AI that could mimic humans, right? That could have realistic conversations and that could have far-reaching social implications. And Google ignored that. And now we have people out there who think the AI may be sentient. So it seems like an issue. Yeah. It reminds me of more more than it reminds me of the Google AI story. This thing actually reminds me of when Amazon had trouble with the tone detecting feature on the Halo band, right? Because anything that says it detects emotions, I feel like this is other besides portraying or pretending to have emotions. That's what we were arguing about last week. This week, this thing is about detecting emotions. And that's what tone Amazon's uh, on Amazon's Halo a, man was saying it would hey, do. Amazon, Amazon's doing a lot of questionable things. A story I was going to bring up later, but it's actually uh, fits in really nicely here, is uh, they announced uh, that they are developing a way to mimic voices. And the, the idea is to use a, a little bit of a recording to mimic the voices of your dead relatives. So I'm sorry, we don't swear okay. a lot on this show, but fuck that. Like <laughs> that's fucking bullshit. I'm sorry, but go on. That that is one company like Microsoft thinking about, okay, ethical implications of AI. Uh, we don't want it to like look at your face too much. And Amazon's like, I want to resurrect your grandma from the dead in an echo. Uh that's crazy. That is just wild. That it, it seems like an early thing that do they're they, testing, but I think th- th- anyone yeah. that worked on this have people that passed away in their life. What a, I, I just it is. Have you read a single science fiction story of how this could, this could go? No, wrong? they've seen like, too just, much Black Mirror. That's what it is. They're like, let's do. But they they've not learned. Like every Black Mirror episode is about don't do this. This is bad every time you do new tech stuff. Um, so yeah, that's not going to be a product. That is the thing they announced that they're working on. But I think if you look online right now, if you look at Twitter, everybody's looking at this story and being like, I, are you insane? Don't do this. Nobody wants this. Um, just why? Why? Anyway, I'm glad to hear Microsoft is like thinking a little, a little more strongly about like how it's dealing with the ethics of AI. I think more companies need to do this. I think Amazon needs like an in-house like human philosopher being. or somebody, human like, being. A, somebody who... A human being, but also somebody who is not thinking the Amazon way, because uh, from people I know that work at Amazon, the company really does a good job of like kind of just bullying you into thinking along their mindset. Um, the group so think is strong with need, them. You, yeah. Exactly. So you need people from outside to be like, hey, this is insane. And what are you doing? Um, it's sort of like the house uh, alarm drone thing, which is, is that even launching? There are a lot of things they do that seem like bad ideas. But anyway, uh, we will we will keep an eye on this and see if Amazon really does want to resurrect your people from the dead. Uh, in other news, uh, Twitter announced it wants to let you blog. <laughs> A, Basically, a 2003 blogspot called. It's like, what's it's up? A, it's Twitter? a blogspot. Yeah. It's a blogger. It's a blogger site. They announced a feature called Notes that lets you write more than 280 characters. And get this you could plug in images, you could plug in animated GIFs, and you can link to other content around the internet. You could plug in tweets and videos. Uh, amazing. Incredible innovation going on over at Twitter. It, I love how with the announcement too, they were like, Twitter is the home for writers. I'm like, no, not well. You want to be the home for writers. You want to be. I mean, all the writers I know have to be on Twitter for, you, for professional reasons. For reason, publication, so yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. it's mostly, it's like we're in the media space. Anyone that has some sort of PR need, I think that's what you're talking about. It's like, it's on Twitter. And that's me, but that's book authors. Like if you want to be in touch with people who read, Twitter is a good platform. Right, but book authors need PR. Like, that's what, like, everyone that has a, like, PR, like, a recipe author, any sort of, like, person has a product to share, they're going to be on on Twitter. But your PR, yeah, your PR, yeah, is on Twitter. So that's what I'm saying. Writers do need Twitter, sort of. And I think Twitter is kind of seeing but that. But they're not, uh, yeah, they're trying to pull, like, they're like, no, now we're going to be your your medium and your, uh, su- not well, stuff stack. What's, like, a good... I think that's the thing, right? Well, when Medium WordPress. launched, which was, fr- yeah, WordPress, uh... WordPress is great. I love WordPress because you can actually build your own sites and own your content and yada, yada. WordPress is great. Uh, Medium was launched by one of the people who used to work at Twitter, right? Like one of the former Twitter executives who 
launched this thing. It was like, I just want to let people blog. I just want to let people write online easily. I still don't think Medium understands what it wants to be. But clearly, this is an attempt from Twitter to be like, we don't want anybody leaving, right? You yep. stay within our wheelhouse if you want to have deeper thoughts. Twitter is where you think and write, and you are producing value for our platform, so we want to keep you here. I right? I, I love that in their announcement post, to Twitter was like, from the rise of the screenshot announcement tweet to the newsletter boom, a new reality <laughs> became clear. People were writing long elsewhere and then coming to Twitter to share their work and for the conversation surrounding all those words. Like... Took you long enough to realize this Twitter, like what? Okay, right. I mean they're they're busy, like they're busy because uh, they they may be bought by a mad mm. Nancy, and mm. so I don't know. They're they're dealing with a lot of stuff, but yeah, Twitter also launched uh, Review or they bought Review, the newsletter company, a couple of years ago, and now they're like fully integrating that into into Twitter as well. And they're calling um, it Twitter Right. They're making a new Twitter, Twitter profile, right. calling it Twitter Right. And putting review in there. A, anything you write online, be it newsletters or blogs or little tweets or like uh, thoughts about your dinner, they all they want to own that entire platform. So I, I don't. I, it, it all does kind of connect. So sure, I don't blame them for doing it. But what do you think? I'm very curious about how much of this has to do with them wanting to own a cut of the content you publish because. If you think about how many like crazy tweet thread stories have been turned into movies so far, I I feel like. I don't know. I want to be very careful when I read the terms and conditions is what I'm saying. Um, but I am excited yeah, yeah, yeah. to start writing longer on Twitter. I usually like, I'm like, oh, I want to start a blog, but I guess I can do it on you, Twitter. You can't just start a blog. First of all, you blog for a living, but you can just start a blog. I know, and I have, blog. I have started. I just haven't got around to writing on it. I, I think that that's it. Like Medium and Twitter kind of are just trying to solve this like base level. Uh, I will I will call it millennial angst mm. in terms of doing anything productive <laughs> sometimes. Like, I know I should do this. I know I should open up all my email. My side I know I hustle look at my is bills. not my main hustle. <laughs> it's it's so hard. Yeah. It's it's hard to do anything basic. And uh, hey, the world is crushing and on fire. So I I totally get it. Uh, another thing you want to note, Sherlyn, like yeah. around this, yeah. is Twitter is reviving its developer conference after seven years, and I think that's actually really important yes. but first off what do you think about that? i mean it's been long enough that i'm like they had a developer conference that's like yeah i forgot i totally <laughs> yeah. forgot uh it's called chirp which chirpa chirpa cheap cheap but uh okay chirp, chirp. uh and it's gonna happen in san francisco november 6th this year i believe so it should just be called tweet meet but okay that's yeah. that's not bad that's not bad yeah, yeah. uh but I, I think the argument a lot of people have had about twitter for a while is that they have not been kind to developers and third parties who want to use Twitter data, right? A lot of Twitter apps were basically locked out when they changed their APIs. They don't want, the, Twitter wanted to own its stuff for so long that they killed off any developer interest. And now they're like, um, hey, it turns out uh, we, we need your help if we want to create a thriving platform, an open internet. Like we, help us out guys, build some apps, use our data, please, please make us, make us more valuable. Uh, I, I think it is very important to note that yeah, th this is coming after a point where Twitter needs to do more. Yeah. And listen to more people, maybe, right? Like, I, I feel like some of his launches earlier, I will never forget that Fleet's launched without voice ca like captioning and that sort of thing. So, ugh. <laughs> Simple things. Yeah. yeah. Um, notable that uh, Ben is mentioning, like, yeah, notable that this is happening after Jack left and Jack Dorsey, like, Certainly when he came on and as the driving you know, cre creator behind Twitter and the driving person in charge, I think he wanted the company to play less with everybody else. So it was, it, they kind of wanted to go the Facebook route, you know, whereas I think a lot of us say like Twitter, I like Twitter as a platform. Twitter is my favorite social network, but it's best used as like uh, a data pipe for the internet that everybody can tap into, that everybody can make use of. So maybe we'll see more of that. We shall see. Does Parag still, is Parag yeah. still the CEO? Because I could swear I saw that Parag stepped down. Parag Agrawal. I mean... Maybe I dreamed it. <laughs> yeah, he is still the he, CEO. I mean, they announced it. things. Yeah, they announced, like, if if Elon ends up buying it, like, things will change. Like, I believe that that was the whole thing. But they're in a weird limbo right now. So who knows? Um, Sherlyn, you want to talk about nothing. Listen, the, I never want to talk about anything. About nothing. <laughs> I want to always talk about nothing. No. Uh, I'm very good at talking about nothing. Nothing is that brand. Remember that like former mm -hmm. co-founder, co-founder of OnePlus, whatever. Carl Pei uh, started after leaving OnePlus, and he's been they've been teasing up their first phone called the Nothing Phone One uh, for a while. We've seen the pictures of them. We talked about them last week, but we found out 
this week we found out that the Nothing Phone is not going to be coming to the U.S. Womp. Surprise, surprise. Like, I wasn't, yeah. I, I mean, I'm sure none of us were surprised, but if we've been hyping it up and you in the U.S. are like, I want to buy one, I am sorry. You might have to travel to get it or find another way about it. Or, or don't, or don't. Don't. Spend your money on literally anything else. Just it, this is going to be a first gen product, and your longtime yeah. listeners and viewers of this show know that we do not recommend you buy first gen anything. So I'm not surprised. I'm not disappointed, especially I'm, from a new company. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, it's this is going to be essential. Well, it's not even going to be like the essential phone either. The essential phone, I feel like, had more of a hook going for it. There you go. Yeah, I just know some pe people go. were hype about the nothing phone. Can we? we can to, we just yeah. stop talking about this phone? We will just never talk about this phone again. Never now, talk about nothing ever again. I don't know. We'll see. Nothing, nothing again. Let's move on to what we're working on. Uh, I want to quickly mention, I, I visited an AT&T emergency response site here in Georgia. I actually got to do some on-the-ground reporting a couple weeks ago to talk about that, to talk about like how they're preparing for emergency responses. Uh, things like wildfires, uh, places where they just need to drop down connectivity. So I'm working on a story around that. And I think it's going to be really cool because uh, if you search AT&T emergency response and gadget, you'll get a story from like 2008 yeah. written by Neelai Patel. So we we have covered this stuff before. It is it's been a while. And also, it's really cool to see like how these companies are changing and adopting like 4G didn't exist in 2008. LTE didn't exist back then. So things have changed quite a bit. So I'm hoping to get a story about that soon. Uh, what are you up to, Sherlyn? Uh, I have been writing a few guides in addition to doing that background stuff that I was talking about. No, it's going to be a nice, hopefully, hopefully, fingers crossed, a nice slow summer. I am hopefully then going to be able to have time to do some more like deeper dive stories that I love to do that like my, uh, my journalism blood's boiling, which is great. Um, and yeah, that's, that's it. We, we like to do around this time. We like to do around in gadget as well. And so speaking of guides, uh, Nicole Lee, um, from the team has published the guide to smart displays. If you've been wondering how, or like what you should look out for when you're buying a smart display, you can check it out. I will caution any of you Apple people that there is no Apple smart display. These are all, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Amazon or Google branded devices. You, you could get a home pod you could like tape a ipad, iPad to it yeah that's, that's a smart display yeah that's a that's an apple smart so you can go check that out uh davinder you have something to shout out mm -hmm. as well yeah shouting out our tiktok channel yes uh, if you um, everyone's watching tiktok these days and uh engadget is on tiktok i just did a tiktok about the macbook pro shirlin you've done a bunch about you having too many devices and well that and that. the so macbook we wanna, air yeah and the macbook air you shot some footage yourself on tiktok so i I, I think it's a fun platform. I spend some time with my daughter because she likes the short videos there. Uh, I think it's worth checking out. Follow us if you're using TikTok. I also know that they're in the news about uh, data leaks going back to China and whatnot. So, hey, we are we are paying attention to all that stuff. Uh, it's hard to trust any of these social media companies. But in terms of a product I actually like using, I would say TikTok is at least there. Um, I, li I like the videos. Check us out on TikTok if you're using it. Let's move on to our picks for the week. Our pop culture picks. Sherlyn, what do you got? I, I I went back into my repository of like wrecks that I save. I'm like, I have a long list when I, for, for weeks when I don't have anything to recommend because recently I've just been rewatching Game of Thrones. It's weird. Um, anyway, my recommendation <laughs> from a while back is Making Fun. It's a TV show on Netflix. I don't know if you've heard of it, Devendra. Um, uh, I think so. Yeah. yeah. Is this like reality ish series of these like grumpy old men who are very skilled at woodworking or like just making things, uh -huh. right? But then they, uh, the, the twist is that they every week choose a proposal from a bunch of kids and they make the thing. So it's the start of every episode. You've got a bunch of kids coming in with like ideas of what they want the team to make and they pitch it. They're like, oh, I want to make a unicorn that flies but it also poops or something like it's just kids being kids so the first episode is not a spoiler or anything to say that what they did was build a giant t-rex that spits out tacos um and they and i think oh the, I re i've heard about the show and i hear the adults hate the, the kids they do like, well that's the shtick the right the shtick is that they <laughs> hate this they're and the entire time they're just like these dumbass like little cretins or whatever are making us do this thing. And then, then the kids will like die, like ring in at the middle of the project. Be like, no, we want you to add a toilet to the taco pooping dinosaur because it has to, <laughs> we need to poop when we eat tacos. 
apparently i don't yeah. know but but it's fun to like just it's kids a, love poop kids love things that poop it's a yeah. combination of like whimsy with the kids and like the grumpy old guys building the stuff but they're like so incredibly skilled like i'm in the zone where i'm like trying to learn more about construction <laughs> for some reason so i'm like all uh-huh, right uh-huh. all right i know what a, this this plane machine does i don't know what they're called i just this plane machine does you, you could take actual woodworking lessons and stuff for length they, they, they do that all over the place yeah. that's cool uh thanks for thanks for sharing yeah, that out thanks. uh i'm going to highlight a couple of things uh if you talk to anybody who plays games right now everybody's talking about neon white which is a cool new kind of like a first person shooter slash puzzle game slash like speed run game it is sort of like everybody distilled uh they distilled uh the cool 90s anime uh stuff it is about people uh people who are cast to hell who are brought to heaven to defeat demons that are that are trying to de- you know uh destroy the kingdom of heaven and it's also like has steve bloom uh the voice of spike spiegel from cowboy bebop like your character is voiced by him lots of great voice acting lots of great anime character work it is a cool fun game okay it just feels good to play so when i need to like rest my brain for a little i can hop into this game do a couple levels the levels are really short they're like 30 to 45 seconds and the whole point of it is that you try to do it until you're faster and faster and try try to be the fastest in the world i think it's a lot of fun i love the vibe i love the voice acting and the writing it is what i would call an anime ass anime game <laughs> so you know right very anime neon white is great I'm also watching Irma Vep on HBO, which is, hey, I, I don't know if anybody's going to listen to me here, but I love the French director Olivier Assayas. And this is sort of like a redo, not quite remake. It, it is like a reconsidering of a movie he made in the 90s, also called Irma Vep. And this show is all about a kind of like a movie star played by Alicia Vikander. And she is just in the process of making a TV show called Irma Vep. It is a remake of a classic, like, silent uh, film, Les Vampires. So Alicia Vikander is great. This this is just like a cool thing. Oh, this is very meta. I got so confused. Yeah. Okay. Okay. It is a show about her as a movie star. It's also a show about a director trying to remake Irma Vep while this director is remaking Irma Vep again. It it is very very meta. It is really fun if you want to see people just like bounce around France and you know do fun movie industry stuff. I think it's worth watching. Uh, That's Irma Vep. It's on HBO Max. So that's what I've got for this week. Well, that's it for the episode, everyone. Thank you, as always, for listening. Our theme music is by game composer Dale North. Our outro music is by our very own Terrence O'Brien. The podcast is produced by Ben Elman. You can find Devendra online at... At Devendra on Twitter, and I chat about movies and TV at the Filmcast podcast at thefilmcast.com. If you want to tell me the million reasons you want to get the Nothing phone, you can send them to me. I'm at Sherlyn on Twitter. Email us your thoughts at podcastengadget.com. Leave us a review, please, on iTunes. And subscribe on anything that gets podcasts. The math. She is mathing because this is exactly what it's supposed to do.